Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we are in a series called Do Not Be Your Own Worst Enemy. Do not be your own worst enemy. You're, you're, it's actually called Your Own Worst Enemy. But, um, and I wanna talk to you today, the title of my message is Fuel Lights and Tiny Washcloths. Fuel Lights and Tiny Washcloths. And next week's title for my message may be one of my top five mess titles for my, it's not quite Sonny Lost Jesus at Night Trips, but it's really, <laughs> really close. So do not miss next week. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Fuel lights and tiny washcloths. And today as we get going, um, this is one of those messages, if I could open everybody's head up, put this in, close it back up, and you just started doing it, I would do this as your pastor. It is just that much of an important message for all of us to hear. And it's great for our mid-hires and teenagers to hear. It's amazing for our college students to hear. And it's great for our retired people to hear because this is something that if you will apply, it will keep you from being your own worst enemy. And some of you today that are here and that are watching online, I just gotta tell you, we got issues, me and you. Um, I got an issue with some of you in this building and I'm not gonna be shy about it and I'm not gonna make my opinion um, neutral on this. Some of you, drive me nuts in this place by the way that you drive. I'm just gonna be honest. Um, and, and it's not the way that you drive in this parking lot. Some of you, in you drove here and you are, have done and you are currently doing what I'm talking about. Some of you, when you are driving and your gas gauge starts getting low, this light comes on, right? You know what I'm talking about? And you just keep pushing the limit. You're like, oh no, we got 30 miles. What? <laughs> what do you mean you got 30 miles? No, like when my car gets to a quarter of a tank, it's time to find a gas station, right? Like it's time, because that's what sensible, reasonable, godly people do. But some of you crackheads drive it down to the light and you're like, I got 30 more miles. How do you know? You don't know what weight they base that on. Like you, you just don't, you don't know what the wind is, the hill. I mean, come on. Have you not watched horror movies? Like you get kidnapped and killed when you run out of gas. <laughs> so you're like, I'm just gonna push the limit. I can, it can handle it, it can handle it. We got plenty of time. No, you don't, no, you don't. You need to find a gas station now. Some of you, the most godly thing you can do right after this moment is get in your car and go to Quick Trip right across the road. We got issues, right? And some of us, we just push the limit when it comes to that gas gauge. Some of us, we just push and we wanna see how far we can take it. And can I tell you, it's one thing to do that when it comes to a low fuel light, but it's another thing to do that when it comes to your life. And in life, there are lights that come onto the dashboard of our life. There are warning lights, there are warning signals, there are red flag moments that come up and they go into our life and if we're not careful, if we're not cautious, we, we start operating, we start living life in a way of, well, I can handle it. 
right? Oh, oh, well, well we, can, we can make this work. We can, we can push the limits. It's just for a little bit longer. It's just gonna be, I know I shouldn't, but I, I'm capable of doing it. And we start trying to handle and we start living and we start pushing back warning lights and warning labels and red flags that we know we need to stop and we need to make a correction. But instead, we just keep pushing saying, what's the worst that could happen? And the Bible has this amazing proverb. It's one of my favorite Proverbs, found in Proverbs 22, verse three, it says this, the wise see danger ahead and avoid it. They pay attention to the low gas sign. <laughs> but fools keep going and get into trouble, right? In fact, this Proverbs is so important that it repeats it in Proverbs 27, 12. The wise see danger ahead and avoid it, but fools keep going and get into trouble. And the reality of it is this, you and I were not called to live life out in a way seeing how much we can handle, right? You and I weren't called to live life out seeing how far we can push the boundaries and push the limit. Can I tell you, boundaries were not put there to punish you. They were there, put there to protect you. And if you keep looking and living life saying, man, I don't need these boundaries, you are living life in a foolish way because the wise see danger ahead. And when they see danger ahead, they take action to avoid it. But the foolish way for you and I to live is to live our life out and say, well, we'll see if we can handle it. We're just gonna push the limit. We, we, we can do this and I'm just gonna ignore all the warnings and I'm gonna ignore all the signs and I'm gonna ignore what everybody else is saying and I'm going to live life my way. And here's the first truth I wanna give us from the scripture. The wise see danger ahead and avoid it, but the foolish keep going and get into trouble. The first thing is this, don't ignore or try to handle the warning signs. Don't ignore or try to handle the warning signs. The warning signs on our car dash are there for a purpose and a reason. Unfortunately, um, this illustration got real personal this week when I got into my car Thursday. I fire my truck up and the check engine light comes on. I'm like, are you kidding, God? I don't need this illustration. Like, I got this. Like, I already know what I'm preaching. I don't need this illustration to get any more personal right now, right? And you know what I didn't do? I didn't just say, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna hope it goes off, right? I'm just gonna hope maybe it's just a fluke. Maybe it's something. No, I called my mechanic. I was like, hey, my, my check engine light came, came on. Um, you got a chance to see it. He's like, yeah, I'll bring it in tomorrow. I didn't drive very much. We drove Casey's car. Um, and so I, my truck is in the shop right now getting evaluated because there's something that came on the dash that I was not going to ignore it, but I was going to pay attention to it. And some of us, there are lights and there are warning signs and there are things that are going on. And the foolish way for you and I to live is for us to live life thinking, oh, we can handle it and we ignore it. That we ignore the warning lights and say, well, maybe, maybe, it'll, just, maybe it'll just go away. Maybe things will just magically improve. Maybe my marriage will be awesome and she'll love me all over again like she used to. Maybe he'll treat me like he used to. Maybe that guy, that girl that I'm dating will turn into the guy they need to, right? And we dismiss the warning signs. And I wanna give you seven things we dismiss and we try to handle that you and I know we shouldn't because here's the deal why I'm talking to you about this. There's some of you doing things you know you shouldn't. Like, I don't have to get up here and name it because you already know 
you shouldn't be doing what you're excusing this morning. So let me give you seven things, just in case you're like, I don't know about that, right? So some of the things we tend to ignore and try to handle, and I'm just gonna let everybody know I'm coming after all of you today. I'm gonna be an equal offender. So for all of you that are dating, all you that are single, you know they're bad, but you date them anyways because they're fun. They're cute. She's hot. That's what guys say instead of cute. They're available or they're actually interested. Well, there's no good Christian guys or girls. Well, you ain't going to find them hanging out at the bars on Friday night, right? Maybe you should. Anyways. Um... That's why you don't fall in love at a strip club. I'm just saying. So, um... Is it hot in here? I'm hot. Um, so, some of us, things that we ignore, financial issues. We think we can handle it, right? If your financial strategy is this, I think we can make it work, that's a horrible financial strategy. Right? Oh, I think we can squeeze it in. No. And you get into debt and it gets worse and worse and worse. And we just ignore all the warning signs and it starts stressing us out. Why are you talking about money right now, Justin? Because it's the second leading cause of divorce. Money's a big deal, and Jesus talked a lot about money, and this isn't even a sermon about money, but some of us, we are ignoring the warning signs. We are stressing ourselves out because we're trying to live a lifestyle that God has never called you to live in the first place. Anyways, number three, the health of your marriage. For all the married people, what's the reality of where you really are? Not what you portray, not what you put on on Sunday mornings, not what you say, not what you do, but where are you really as a married person? couple. For parents, parents, many times we excuse our kids' actions, and we know who they are, right? But we just bury their heads. I had some great friends growing up that their parents just buried their heads. I'm like, dude, he is, he is a drug. Like, we stopped being, like, really good friends when he was in high school because he was, like, a drug addict and sleeping around. I'm like, bro, that's not me. Um, and, and they just buried their heads, and here's a strategy parents live with. We, this, we actually say this. Well, I, you know, it's just a phase. Hopefully they grow out of it. Come on. Like there's a better way to parent than that. The wise see danger ahead and avoid it. But the foolish keep going and say, I hope it works out. Right? Parents, for some of us, it's our health and our habits. Are your habits, your eating and drinking, what they should be? It ain't even in January with New Year's resolutions and he's talking about this, right? Do you have moderation and self-control? Because hear me, your health is a big deal. And if you wanna push back on that, get into the word. Your health is a big deal. And if you don't believe me, just wait till you don't have your health anymore. Are you doing what you ought to be doing? And we're gonna keep moving because I'm making a lot of people mad right now. <laughs> your circle of friends, your people, who you hang with matters no matter your age. Can I tell you, who you hang with matters, no matter your age. I say it all the time, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The last one is this, your spiritual walk. Is it a daily walk or is it a sporadic walk? Because if it's a daily walk, what I can tell you is you're going to make daily decisions that's going to lead you to a better place. But if it's a sporadic walk, you're gonna make foolish decisions that lead you to a place you regret. 
because you are constantly getting into the word, you're listening to the Holy Spirit, they're guiding you, they're directing you, and you are finding a better way to live your life out. And many of us right now, here's what we're doing. This is actually what's going through your head. You're dismissing this today, and you're saying, well, well, my relationships, it's not that bad. All right, the, the guy that I'm, I'm like dating, the girl I'm dating, they're not, they're not, they're not that bad. Like our financial decisions, it's not, it's not that bad, right? Well, well, you know, like the way I'm living my life and the habits that I have, and, and you know, I'm not really hurting anybody else. So it's not, it's not that it's that bad, but can I tell you, and let me push back on that, what I can promise you is this, is that if it's not that bad, then it's not that good, right? So, so some of us, we wanna say, oh, it's not that bad, but what I can promise you this is if you're saying it's not that bad, then it's not that good. And what I've read about my Bible is that Jesus didn't say, I came to give them life, and give them a life that's not that bad. That is not what the scripture says. He says, I came that you may have life, have it to the full, or as the New Living Translation says, a rich and satisfying life. He has called us, as Romans 12 says, to engage, not being overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good, right? Is how you're living your life that good? Or are you still living it and excusing it as that bad? Because the wise see the not that bad and they take action and they avoid engaging in it any longer. But the foolish people keep going and they get themselves in trouble. And the Bible says there's a wiser way, a better way for you and I to live. Because if we live this way, here's the simple truth. You and I become our own worst enemy. Because nobody else is forcing you to live your life like this. This is something you and me are choosing to do. And there's a better way for you and I to live. So, so what is that today? Paul talks about this all throughout the New Testament, through all of his different letters to different churches. And he says this, he says, stay away from evil and take a firm grip, grip of what is good. Because here's what I have found out. It's easy to lose your grip on what you should be gripping, right? It's easy to lose your grip and to lose your hold on what is actually good and of God. But it's very easy to drift into what is evil. And here's what Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 5, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit, don't scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. What's the alternative of going ahead and just being your own worst enemy? It's grabbing hold of what is good and staying away from evil. Romans 12, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Philippians chapter two, this passage is talking about instructing the church to shine brightly for Christ. And it says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining light, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Second Timothy chapter one, this whole passage is about encouragement to be faithful as followers of Christ. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learn from me. 
a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Paul is telling us over and over and over again. He's telling all the churches in the New Testament over and over and over again, hold on to what is good and true and avoid what is evil and what you know you ought not to do. And that's the same thing for us today. So the question is, how do you and I hold on to what is good? How do we not lose our grip on what we know is good and is of God? The first thing I would say is this. Don't let small problems turn into big issues. Don't let small problems turn into big issues. I don't know if any of you have seen these or if you know what these are. This is a tiny washcloth. Um, some of you parents that have toddlers, this is the best thing you can buy in your life right now because this thing turns into this with just a little bit of water. I'm gonna use it right now. Oh, that felt good. Right, you can wipe their nasty mouth, throw it away, you don't even have to wash it. Like 300 of these are like $15 on Amazon and I'm not even getting paid for this advertisement right now. <laughs> and, and, and what does this need to turn into this? Just a little bit of water, right? The potential of this turning into this, of this blowing up into this, of this growing into this, it's just the right environment and a little bit of water. And can I tell you, some of you, some of you, some of us, there are problems that we wanna ignore, right? There, there's some small problems that we wanna pretend don't exist. And all your small problem needs to turn it into a big issue is for you to keep ignoring it, for you to refuse to address it, for you to operate in fear because confronting people and confronting issues or confronting problems is scary sometimes because none of us want to make other people mad, right? And if we don't confront, if we don't address it, that small problem just needs a little bit more frustration, just needs you pushing the limit a little bit more, just you neglecting them a little bit more, you just thinking you can handle it a little bit longer and it blows up into a full-blown issue. And hear me today, man, if you've been ignoring me, dial right back in. Today, all of us in this place have problems. All of us have small problems that we have to deal with most of the time on a daily basis. But there's a major difference between this and this. And there's a major difference between your small problem turning into a big issue. And most of the time, the reason the small problem turns into a big issue is because you lack the courage to consistently confront the problem from keeping it from becoming an issue. So my question to you today is this, who or what do you need to have the courage to confront? Because the, the simple truth is this, most of us in this place, we struggle with this and you're not alone. In 2 Samuel 13, there is a story that I have, you can't make this up, about David, Amnon, Tamar, and Absalom. So, so let me give you a little, set this up to the scripture. King David has many wives and he's got concubines, right? And so King David had many wives where he had many kids with different wives. One of those wives, he had a son named Amnon that was his oldest son that the Bible says was his favorite son. 
Some of you are like, I don't have a favorite kid, liar. Um, but <laughs> got Amnon, right? And favorite son. Then he had Tamar and Absalom with another wife and their biological brothers and sisters. Tamar and Absalom aren't biological siblings with Amnon. Amnon, somewhere along the line, gets the hots for his sister Tamar. Ew, right? <laughs> to a point where he cooks up a scheme to act sick, talks his dad into talking Tamar, making Tamar take care of him. And while Tamar is taking care of Amnon, Amnon rapes Tamar. David hears about what goes on, and he gets mad, but he doesn't do anything about it. Let that sink in for just a moment. He, he hears about it. He gets mad. He gets really, really upset, but he doesn't do anything about it. And Absalom's like, hold my beer, uh-uh, right? Like, no, watch this. And he takes matters in his own hands. He invites Amnon to a party, gets Amnon drunk, kills Amnon. He flees for his life because he realizes he just killed his dad's favorite kid. He goes to another country for three years, comes back, is in Israel for another two years. It's five years before David and Absalom start talking again, before they're ever on speaking terms again. Then, after five years, Absalom dethrones his dad. He sleeps with all of his concubines in, in daylight. Everybody knows what's going on with Absalom, right? Absalom's getting freaky with it. Things are going on. Things are happening. David has to run for his life. This is the Justin Graves version. Absalom, David has to run for his life from his son. In the process of all this, David is embarrassed about all these different things. He's running from his life. Absalom's trying to kill him. In the end of it all, Absalom loses his life and hears David's, the, the, this passage that describes it so well, 2 Samuel 13, 21. When David heard what happened to Tamar, he was very angry. But Amnon was his oldest son and also his favorite, and David would not do anything to make Amnon unhappy. And because he refused to deal and to confront and have the courage to confront a horrible problem, it turned in to major, massive issue that didn't just cost David but it cost David's family, right? This issue wasn't just an issue that affected David. It affected David's family. And many of us, we don't wanna make other people upset. We don't wanna be the bad guy. We don't wanna have hard conversations, but what is the alternative if you don't? Because the alternative is that your problem turns into an issue because you didn't have the courage to have the hard conversation in your marriage. You didn't have the love and the courage to care more for the person than their feelings and have the hard conversation with your kid. You didn't have the courage to talk to your friend when you saw them going a wrong way. You didn't have the courage to have a hard conversation that dealt with a problem and now it's a full-blown issue that costs them way, way more and costs you way, way more than what you ever would have thought. Question is again, who do you need to have a conversation with today? What do you need to have a conversation about so that you can hold on to the good and deal with the problem because we've all got problems and so that it doesn't become an issue. The other thing and the other way that we hold on to the good and that we live like the wise, seeing trouble ahead and avoid it, is that we understand course corrections are part of the journey. Course corrections are part of living, are part of life. 
when you got in your car today and you decided to drive to church, you didn't just drive to church and magically end up here, right? You did not have a self-driving car when you got here. You got out of your parking, you got out of your driveway and you started driving and you had to turn on some streets and you had to accelerate as you got on the highway because that's what normal smart people do. When they get on the highway, you accelerate, right? You accelerate as you're getting on the highway. You turn left, you turned right. You were at a stoplight and while you were at a stoplight and it turned green and somebody was in front of you and they didn't go after two seconds, you had some encouragement with your horn, right? because that's why God put the horn there. It's not to cuss them out, it's to encourage them to go forward in their path, right? That's why I'm just trying to encourage you to move along and to not get stuck in a rut, right? That's what we're doing. So we're encouraging people when we get here and we pull in the parking lot and there were a ton of turns, there was a ton of acceleration, there was a ton of breaks that you made because you had to make course corrections to get to where you desired to be. To get to the desired destination in life, you are going to have to make course corrections a regular part of your life. And Proverbs chapter four says this, my child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. Can I tell you, every one of us, that's the felt need. I don't just wanna have a long life, because I've seen some people that had a long life that it was not a good life. I want to live a long, good life. He says, I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. And when you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. So take hold of my instructions and don't let them go. There it is again. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Don't do as the wicked do and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Here's the course correction. Turn away and keep moving. Turn away. Make some course correction. Don't go that. You know that's not the way you're supposed to go. Don't think you can handle it. Don't keep pushing the limits. Don't keep doing, going a path that you know is going to cost you and turn a problem into an issue. But turn away from a direction you know your life was not meant to go and that you and I can't handle in the first place. So what keeps us making course corrections. What helps us to stay on wisdom's way and stay on the path that you and I need to go so that we don't engage in evil, so that we don't drift, and so that we don't live life that's not that bad? There's three things. The first one is this, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit keeps us on wisdom's way and keeps making course corrections in our life. John 14 says this, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. Let's let that sink in for just a second. Anyone who doesn't love me won't obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. John 16, 13 says, the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth. One of the main aspects and purpose of the Holy Spirit is to guide you in not a way that seems true, right? Let's go back to our first message in this series. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end leads to death, but that is actually true and actually good for you. And when you get going in a direction, 
you know you shouldn't. When you go going in a direction, and maybe, maybe you don't know that you shouldn't, but you feel convicted, what do you do in that moment? Do you listen to it and make course corrections, or do you ignore the warning signs and just go your own way? Because one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he brings the tension of conviction. And are you paying attention, are you paying attention to the tension of conviction that the Holy Spirit brings? Are you paying attention to the tension that the conviction of the Holy Spirit brings? Because there's, there's this tension that comes and you can either ignore the warning signs that are going off on the dash of your life and say, I can handle it. Or you can listen to somebody who knows what's better for you, who will guide you in all truth and guide you in the way that you know is better for you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And that's why you got to get quiet and listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. When Casey's trying to talk to me and we're watching TV, if the OU Sooner game is on, it's loud in my living room, right? And if she tries to talk to me, I don't say, hey, you're gonna have to speak up because I can't hear you over their voice, right? I may have done that before and it didn't go well, right? The fool goes ahead and suffers trouble. Um, there were some course corrections that got made. And so now I turn the TV down and I say, hey, I, I missed that, what'd you say? I don't ask her to get louder. And from everything that I've seen in the Bible, I've never seen God yell at somebody. Never seen the Holy Spirit, hey, Brandon, right here, right here, right here, right here, right here, right here. No, no, no. That's not how it works. Jeff, stop it. Pay attention. Get in. Ginger, hey, right here, right here, right here. Well, listen, Linda, listen. No, no, no. <laughs> Holy Spirit has a still small voice. And instead of asking him to get louder, you need to get everything else more quiet so that you can actually listen to what matters. Because some of us, the simple truth is we're listening to all kinds of voices that don't matter, that aren't true, that aren't guiding you in truth, not guiding you in what's right. And what you listen to and who you listen to matters. The second way that we hold on to what is right and the second thing that makes course corrections in our life is the Bible. The Bible, James chapter one, verse five, if you need wisdom, Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He's not gonna call you stupid. Well, you dummy, you should know this, right? Idiot, where have you been? Why haven't you been paying attention? No, 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 he will give it to you. And one of the ways that he gives us wisdom is this, 2 Timothy chapter three, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. When we are wrong, it makes course corrections in our life and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I had somebody ask me the other day, why do you keep talking about the Bible almost every Sunday? <laughs> There's a lot of churches that don't talk about the Bible every Sunday. Why do you make such a big deal? And here's why, because the Bible is one of the easiest and most accessible guides we have, and yet it's one of the most neglected things we use. It's true. You've got the Bible on your phone now. It is the, one of the easiest, most accessible guides you and I have, and yet it's one of the most neglected things that's used in the church today and followers of Christ today. 
And that's a foolish way for you and I to live. Right? Because the word says this, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. You can't know which way to go if you don't know God's word, right? And the more you get into God's word, the more God's word gets into you. And here's why this is such a big deal, because the Bible says this, his word will not return void into your life. That means if you don't know where to go, if you don't know what to do, get in the Bible, because it always makes an impact, it always makes a change, it always teaches you truth from false, truth from false from fiction, right? It teaches and has an impact anytime, any place that it is accessed and it is put into somebody's life. And some of you, you want to live a more powerful life, get more into the word because his word does not come empty. It will not return void. You want to know which way to go? Get into the Bible because it's a big deal. It's a big deal and it's the number one way God teaches us wisdom and guides our life. The last thing is this, and we're going to talk about this a lot next week, others. Others. Mass Shannon to come up. Some of us, do you have Bible believing friends in your life? Do you have biblical relationships in your life? Because if the answer is no, then who is influencing your life? Because here's the truth whoever has access has influence. Adults, that's so true for you, and we think we're above it. Oh, nobody can influence me, bull. You ever notice you start talking like the people you hang out with? You catch up on their sayings and their slang and their like you have these inside jokes and all this stuff, right? That's what we do. Why? Because whoever has access to us has influence on us. We're, we're going we're to dive deep into this next week. Who you're surrounding yourself with. Do you have people in your life that will actually bring correction to you? Or are they just trying to make you happy because you're their Amnon? Right? Are, are they just more concerned about your feelings than your soul? Because I want to have people around me that care more about me than my feelings. That will speak truth and love, but it's up to me to receive correction. And we're gonna talk about correction. Are you humble enough to receive correction or do you get offended all the time by it? Because if not, you are your own worst enemy. Who, who's in your life helping make course corrections? Because we all need it. And I got people all around my life. Because hear me, I've seen way more talented pastors and preachers drop the ball at this stage than me. And I don't wanna be that guy. I've seen way more godly husbands drop the ball at this stage in their life. I don't want to be that husband. I've seen way too many dads blow it. I don't want to be that dad. So what's the alternative to being that? To listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit and pay attention to the tension of conviction. Man, to get in the Word, to surround myself with others. And you know what? To realize, man, there's going to be moments, there's problems that are happening in my life. And if I'm going to do the courageous thing, i got to confront it so it doesn't become an issue. Because the wise see danger ahead and avoid it. But the foolish keep going and get themselves in trouble. And this, 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 this is a way better way for you and I to live our life out. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. God, your word doesn't return void. It always makes an impact. And so today my prayer is this, is that 
your word would find good soil in our heart. That we would not just be hearers of your word today, but we'd be doers of it. We'd actually apply your word. Because Lord, there's some of us, we're ignoring all the warning signs and we're heading to a place and the only reason we're heading that way is because we don't want to make a course correction. The only reason we're heading that way is because we think we can handle it and we're excusing it as not that bad. And Lord, I pray today that we would listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit and we would realize you have a better way for us to live that leads to true life that's lived to the full. So God, don't let us be hearers and don't let us be our own worst enemy. But Lord, let us apply your word so that we can live this life out the way you intended it to be. It's in Jesus' wonderful name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed. Today, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here and I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we wanna give you a chance to change that. But maybe you're here today and the reality is where you are isn't where you know you're supposed to be. And here's how you know. You feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now. There's a tension that's happening. And I just want to, don't, don't, man, lean away from it, but lean into it today. Realize there's a reason you feel that today. And the Holy Spirit's trying to lead you to a better way of living to a better relationship with him. And if that's you today, I'm gonna count to three and all I want you to do is raise your hand in this place. Man, to live life out in a better way. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today you say just to me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, somebody. Is there anyone else in this place? There's hands up all over this place. You say, Justin, that's me today. And I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I realize there's a better way for me to live this out. Is there anyone else? Before we go any further in service today, you join these individuals in these hands that are lifted. Man, if you're watching at home, online, man, I would just encourage you to lift your hand right where you're at. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me. I mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned, that I ask for your forgiveness. God, I, I'm paying attention to the tension of the conviction. And I realize there's a better way for me to live. So I'm not gonna ignore the warning signs, but I repent of the life that I was living. And I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Can we give these individuals today a huge round of applause? Come on, second service. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.